We are Dr. Sarah Bone and Dr. Lisa Tartaglia. We are both actively practicing osteopathic physicians, dual boarded in family medicine and hospice and palliative medicine. You Only Die Once is a virtual place for sharing information about serious illness, the end of life process, hospice and palliative medicine with the patient, the family, and the practitioner. You only die once, and we believe it can and should be a good death. Hi, I'm Dr. Bone. Hi, I'm Dr. Tartaglia. Today we want to bring a topic up that we've had some questions about, and that's one of the services that's provided by a hospice organization, and that's called respite. Respite is a service that um, each hospice patient is allowed to receive or, or receives at the time of admission. Um, and basically a respite level of care is normally given with the patient as having um, caregiver uh, strain, if the caregiver is having some strain and maybe they just need a break. Um, if there's a planned vacation, um, say they're going to have repairs done in their house and they want their, their loved ones demented and has, you know, can be easily agitated. They might leave uh, their home for uh, several days if they had to attend a wedding, a funeral, those kind of things. So respite is actually more for the family than it really is for the patient. You've got a family that's been taking care of a patient and now an event has come up that they would like to attend. They need to make some repairs at home and it's going to be too disruptive, too dusty, too many fumes for the mm -hmm. patient to be able to be safe and in that environment. So respite service is offered by the hospice for the patient and the patient would go to a place and the hospice organization would pay for it and would keep them up to five days. And I think by CMS rules, they're allowed five days up to once a month yes. for that respite care. So the family might leave town, they might go to a wedding, they might have a graduation ceremony, they're gonna pull a rug, they wanna paint a room, but the patient can't stay in the home or they can't be in the home alone, but they're stable. So they're not going to house sit for you, mm -mm. but you need that individual taken care of while you're going to be gone, and that's what respite is for. Yeah, so they bring them to a facility that they're contracted with. It's usually a skilled nursing facility where they go. That facility will provide the food. Um, it's a safe place location, so their aides and stuff there will take care of them. Um, and also uh, medications. Usually the patient brings their medications in with them, but it depends, you know, some, some medications the facility specifically wants to have um, ordered in-house versus out-of-house. Um, and the hospice team does visit them while they're on a respite level of care. Typically they're gonna see a nurse every day, maybe every shift. Mm -hmm. They're gonna have, certainly have the aides and the hospice staff checking in on them because they don't just put them in a room and then leave them there. They're gonna be checking on them the same way they do right. any of the other patients or residents of that facility, if it's a contract nursing home or if it's an inpatient care unit, they're gonna be evaluating that patient. They may or may not see the physician. The hospice organization I worked for here in Florida saw them at admission. The physician would see them if they came mm -hmm. in on a weekend and a nurse practitioner was covering the service, then the nurse practitioner would see them and the physician would see them on Monday when they came back. Mm -hmm. But they would get at least one physician visit or one advanced practice visit from another practitioner 
while they were there. Now, if everything is stable and there's not much happening, then they're just going to get the routine care at that facility. And then when the five days is up or four days or three days, but however long before the family returns home and they're ready to receive that person back in the home, at that point, then the patient just goes back home with the regular meds. Yeah, and I've had some patients that the family was going to be away for an extended period of time. So they uh, contracted with the facility and they would pay those days um, separate. So then it could be an overlap of the five days. Um, I've had some patients that need to be there for like, let's say a month. So maybe the hospice would pay for the first five days, family pay for 21 days. And then the last five days after it's been 30 days, then the hospice um, takes over. So really the social worker and the interdisciplinary team really works on that, but it's more the social worker coordinating with the nurse, um, the physician or the advanced uh, nurse practitioner will also um, help with the medications, you know, to make sure that there's a, an active med list that goes with the patient and um, make sure that the patient has whatever creature comforts they want from home with them. Yeah. So if they want to send some things in from the house along with the patient, then they certainly can. And definitely, you know, like a change of clothes. Not too many people are thrilled with the gowns that are provided mm -hmm. at, you know, a hospital or a, ho a hospice uh, unit. So they would prefer to have their own pajamas and prefer mm -hmm. to have their own clothes to wear during the day. And the staff's going to help them with a the bath. They're going to help them get dressed if they need help eating. Because typically the patients who need respite care are the ones who are unable to be independent and they need assistance with their golden hour. And we talk about golden hour in a different in a different video, but basically it's that first hour of every morning, getting up, going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth, mm -hmm. putting on your clothes. And they know that those patients who need respite need that extra help and that's why they're there. So they're gonna get that assistance. To get the patient to the facility, it depends. Uh, sometimes families will transport the patient if they've been doing that all along. But if the patient is completely bed bound and debilitated, then there is a non-emergency transport that hospice is contracted with. And again, that's not something a family pays for. Yeah, I it's mean, covered it's by covered the by the hospice Medicare benefit. So it's really nice. Sometimes, you know, I've had patients go to respite and we tell the family, you know, it's for you to take a break, just relax. And then they'll show up at the facility <laughs> to, to visit. visit. Yeah. And it kind of creates angst for patients that have altered mental status, mostly caused by dementia. So we really try to tell the family, you know, this is your time, take time your break away. It's yeah. sort of like going to pick up your kid at daycare. If you show up in the middle of the day just to say hi, cause you were around that area running errands, oh, I'll just go see my kid. Your child is gonna not be happy to mm -hmm. stay there because they anticipate you're here, I'm going home with you. And that's kind of what it's like for a dementia patient being in a facility. You show up cause you just, thought, you know, I want to go visit them and let them know I love them, they're going to want to go home with you. And it makes it more difficult. Mm -hmm. So it's good to just keep, keep things consistent for them and not, and I don't ever suggest family to visit while the patient's on respite. When I worked for um, a hospice organization here in Florida and um, mostly was at their inpatient care unit, I started there and finished there every day. Uh, we had respite patients that would, you know, come in, spend their three to five days and then go home. And I know we had a, a patient come in and he'd been there for a couple of different times because his wife was also elderly and they had a son that worked that helped take care of him and spent quite a bit of time. He didn't live in the home per se, but he spent enough time to, to live in the home because mom couldn't do it all herself. Mm -hmm. So the older patient, he was not 
really demented. He had some cognitive impairment, but it was mild. He knew who he was. He knew where he was. And he knew that he was terribly ill. And he came in and he got his respite care. The son had been out of town and, you know, the wife is is too debilitated herself to drive in. So she was not able to visit with him, but just on the telephone while he was there. And it's time for him to go home. Everything has gone pretty well. He's declined a little bit while he's there and he's more weak and we're going to transport him back home by non-emergent transport. And so for some reason, when the non-emergent transport came in to load him up, because he was not going to be able to be transported in a chair, he was going to have mm -hmm. to be transported in a, on a cart or a gurney and they're getting ready to load him up. They're, they're testing his orientation and asking him mentation questions. You know, what day is it? What time is it? Have you eaten breakfast? And, you know, he was answering those questions slowly, but you could tell he was frustrated. And then they asked him, and who's the president? And he just looked at those transport guys and kind of lost his temper a little bit. And he said, I'm old and I'm sick and I want to go home. I want to be home when I die with my wife. Can you just load me up and take me home? And I just had to laugh because, you know, the transport people are just trying to do their assessment. And this guy knows exactly what his circumstance is. He doesn't know or care who the president is. You know, he was able to give them answers about day mm -hmm. and not date, but he knew time. He didn't care about those things, but he knew enough to know, I'm ready to go home. Take me home. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, so it's just it's just a good um, service, and so it's a service that we wanted to talk to you about because a lot of people don't know about it. Some patients never use it, and it's a very good service to. I think it's into. probably one of the least utilized services, mm -hmm. and I think it is an excellent service that many families don't realize is available to the patient and to them to to give them a break. Yeah, everybody needs a break. And this is a safe environment for your loved one to go into. They'll have the they'll have the community of the team taking care of that patient. So even though they might be away from you all, they'll have that consistency too. And maybe it's not just a vacation for you, but it's a vacation for the patient. Mm -hmm. And then after being in another environment for a period of time, maybe they just really do appreciate what you do for them and they really appreciate being home. You really appreciate them being back home. So sometimes it's nice to have a little break. Yeah, and I, I commend all those caregivers out there. Um, caregiving is a full-time job. It is a job, it's, it's a service, it's, it's hard work. Um, and when you're taking care of your loved one and watching them decline mm -hmm. uh, in a stepwise decline, it's, it hurts on the heart. Yeah. So utilize your respite service for hospice and take that time and take that break because like Dr. Bone said, it's good for both you and for the patient. Thank you for listening today. You can also find us on YouTube, channel name, You Only Die Once. If you have any specific questions you would like us to address, please feel free to send us an email at youonlydieoncedos at gmail.com. That's youonlydieoncedos at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you again soon.